In this episode, I'll talk about beautiful moments with horses and how we can know that they're beautiful. I mean, who gets to say? If a horse pee offs in the forest and no one is there to judge it, can it still be beautiful? Let's explore that. So here we go, episode 157, In the Forest. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. If a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, does it make a sound? So if a horse pee-offs in the forest and no one is there to judge it, can it still be beautiful? So today, something really beautiful happened with me and Ovation, and I want to tell you about it. So Ovation, at the time of this podcast, is like 20 years old. Now, he knows all the movements from the Grand Prix. He knows the pieces, he knows the movements, but collection was really difficult for him to learn, and especially at the canter. So as he started to have to collect, I had trouble keeping his rhythm, a nice clean three beats. But it's a process, and he got it. And then flying changes were really hard for him to learn, but he got it. And then tempi changes were at actually, at that point, not too hard until we got to the one tempis. But he got it. They were still a challenge, though, and the one tempis are probably the most difficult thing that I've ever had to teach him. So they were always a challenge. They weren't quote unquote reliable. And by that, I may just mean his, his canner had to be like just so, (laughs) and his mind had to be just so, and I felt like I had to be absolutely perfect. And then if all those stars aligned, maybe we would get our one tempies on any particular day. And, you know, I made a lot of mistakes along the way with him. And we did get to a point where, you know, he could do them, but there was always a little more tension around that movement than I prefer. And so in the last year, I've thought, you know, (laughs) he's 20 years old now, and I really, 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 really want to go like all the way back to the basics. And I want to take some time away from the more complicated movements that he, he found, you know, stressful that he was willing to do. He's so keen and ambitious and willing to do what I asked, but I still felt, you know, this really doesn't seem like fun for him. And I can compare it because there's lots of other stuff that he does that he seems really into and loves to do and loves to offer. So I wanted to go back and really rebuild another layer of relaxation into this and confidence in everything he did and really wanted to let him trust that his life now really is about showing him the ease 
with which he can do the things he knows how to do, right? It doesn't have to be about push and physical and raw. I wanted him to be feeling like a a Zen master, you know, one of those like the old like 70 year old black belt (laughs) who doesn't move and people go flying, you know, that he could really, I wanted him to feel like he was the master of these movements. And if I got the balance just right, then he could be in the highest possible degree of lightness and with the most calmness and the most sort of efficiency of power while still maintaining his keenness and his cooperation. And he's such an ambitious horse now. So, you know, he will, he's happy to put in the effort, but how can I have it, you know, just next layer of harmony. And so, you know, when you decide to do that, um, it's been many months, many, many months of just mostly simple walk, trot and canter, you know, in collection, but, you know, a little bit of lateral work, some pee off, you know, schooling pirouettes, occasionally just a single flying change. But in everything I did, it wasn't about, oh, I'm going to do pirouettes today, but it was all with the intention of using those movements to create this balance that would bring the ease and the calmness and the lack of pressure. I wanted him to feel like he was the master of what he had learned. So I kind of accepted that maybe by doing that and really honoring what was light and easy for him to do, that there's a possibility that like we might not ever do one tempies ever again. And, you know, it's like, oh, poor Karen. But you know what? When you can do one tempies, they're pretty darn fun to do. So it's, it takes a lot of self-control to not do some of these like super fun things. So it, it had been, it's been, I can't even really remember the last time I did one tempies and asked for them. So I'm sure it's been a year. And so today on this very hot, muggy summer morning, we were riding on the top of the hill in the back pasture uh, near a tree line. So summer is really about chasing shade. And he felt so lovely this morning. And, you know, I'll say we felt lovely this morning because I'll take a little credit for not messing it up. But we just were, you, you guys know, you know that feeling. It's just like, this is just really nice and really beautiful. And we were maintaining our balance and he was using a lot of self-control with his speed (laughs) and, you know, experiencing a lot of lightness and just able to kind of move through the fields and even on a slight hill in this morning, muggy heat, but in the shade and just, you know, I'm like, this is why I ride. This just feels so amazing. And so, um, decided to finish the ride with just some big figure eights and do just some single individual flying changes. And just, you know, it was a good day to do them. His balance was so nice. So we did, and we did a couple dreamy ones to each side. I think we did like two to each side. And then I went straight. And as I straightened out and sort of went across the field, I felt him make a a small adjustment 
to his body and his alignment. And the next thing I knew, he was doing flying changes every stride. Like one, two, three. I thought, just make myself invisible. Four, five, follow, but don't push. Six, seven. And for me, that was enough. I couldn't, I was so excited. So I just relaxed and I just started rubbing him. And I was just like, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're so amazing. And I slid off of him. I was actually bareback at the time, took off his bridle and just plopped myself down in the grass and just kept reaching up, giving him cookie after cookie after cookie. And he gave a big snort and blew his gorgeous boogers all over me. (laughs) And I couldn't have been happier. So we stayed for a little while and then we walked the 10 acre field you know, back to the barn and he was at Liberty and my arm just over his back. And, you know, I've, I've felt horses offer one tempies before. Sometimes they do it out of nervousness because you've really been working on them. And, you know, or if they're a, a more seasoned upper level horse, those, those horses will often offer them, you know, maybe instead of doing the twos, you know, they become almost like a trick they, they get good at them. And, and horses, in order to do one tempies, they really have to kind of like decide and go for it. So some of them find it a fun trick. But for ovation, these were never easy. And they never seemed fun for him. So this of all things, the thing that I really was never going to ask of him, you know, at least in the in this recent moment, it was such like the most beautiful thing to feel from him, to feel him decide to do it. So I'm, I'm just, it's kind of blowing my mind, right? To think of this as a movement that he had to really learn from scratch. I mean, it, it, <laughs> I've taught other horses one tempies and this was not simple with him. And, you know, we hadn't been doing it in a year. And, you know, I, I was imagining that he must have been feeling something like, huh, you know, I feel like I could do that weird skipping thing that Karen seems to like. And he made a decision and he planned it and he adjusted himself, that little adjustment that he made in his own body, in his alignment. And then he knocked it out. I mean, it's, you know, it's really quite incredible that this stuff works at all anyway, (laughs) but to have that happen. So, you know, in that moment, nothing else mattered. I mean, I always try to be in the moment with my horse, but you know, that feeling, it's like, wow, like nothing else mattered. And I didn't care if he maybe wasn't uphill enough or if a judge might've scored them eh, a six and not an eight. I didn't, I didn't care if someone might say he needed to be more collected, or if someone else might say he should have been more forward, or someone else might have said, you know, his head wasn't at the perfect angle. Or maybe if I, even I, if I had looked at a video of it, I would have, oh, am I sitting straight? Am I I slumping? I didn't care. I was deep in the forest, the proverbial forest, with my horse. And it was beautiful. So if a horse pee-offs or does one tempies in the forest and no one is there to judge it, 
can it still be beautiful? Well, I guess it depends on the definition of beautiful. If a tree falls and no one hears it, does it make a sound? As I read, it depends on the definition of sound. So some people would describe that a sound is only a sound when it meets the human ear, when somebody is there to hear it. And then, of course, other people would say, no, if it, even if there's no human there to hear it, it, you know, it does make a sound because you can record it. But, but reading about that, that statement, that question, there were many people who would say, no, if no one was there to hear it, it didn't make a sound if no human was there to hear it. And thinking like, what arrogance? If the human doesn't hear it, it isn't true. As if nobody else mattered. You know, there's bugs that can feel it. I don't even know if bugs hear, but they can feel it. Other animals can hear it. It's happening. So might it not be the same with our horses? If no one is around to judge it, can it not be beautiful? Yeah, I think it can be beautiful, even if no one is there to judge it. You know, once I actually asked this question to someone, she was a owner of top-level, internationally competitive horses. And I said, yeah, kind of like a joke. Well, if a, you know, because she was asking me why I don't compete. And I just sort of made a joke and said, well, you know, if someone, if a horse pee-offs perfectly in the forest and no one is around to judge it, is it still a perfect pee-off? And she said, no. <laughs> Didn't even hesitate. As if judges were the only ones who mattered. But do you know who else is there in the forest with you and your horse? You. <laughs> you are there. You are the witness. You know, once I had a student uh, back on Long Island, and uh, this was at a time where most of my students were in like full training, which meant, you know, I rode their horses and um, they rode their horses, but only in lessons with me. And I was always encourage, encouraging my students to like, go ride by yourself. And uh, this one woman said, she said, I had the most beautiful ride on my horse. And I, I wasn't in the arena. I went way out in the field where nobody was around because if, you know, if it felt fantastic, no one could be there to tell me otherwise. And, you know, I thought it, oh, it was a funny joke. And, you know, you could think of, well, that's a recipe for doing things wrong and not making progress. You know, that was just a way of saying, well, that way I can make a mistake and nobody can tell me. So I'll just feel good about myself, even if I'm, you know, doing something horrible. But it's actually, it's actually quite a profound statement. I want to ride alone. So no one can tell me otherwise, you know, because how many people do you know? Or maybe you are one of these people I see lots of people who get stuck in their progress from the opposite. They get stuck in their progress because they're feeling like it's never good enough. People who can get a 70%, a high score on a dressage test, but then obsess over one little thing. 
that actually happened to me. It just reminded me of a story. I had a student who um, we found her a horse. She was a lower level rider and we were looking for a sort of second level, perfect amateur horse that she could um, get experience competing on at the lower levels. And then meanwhile, I would train it and kind of keep it moving up the levels. And we found the perfect horse. Um, but then she kind of, I think, chickened out a little bit from competing. But I kept training her. And we competed. We were doing, I think, like a fourth level test. And she got in the 70s. And on one of her trot extensions, she got a nine. I mean, the horse really had beautiful trot extensions. And the judge wrote on the comment, um, could be more uphill. Now, this is a normal thing to do because the judge has to write why it wouldn't be a 10. You know, if you're going to give a nine, you can't just say beautiful, right? Because then it'd be like, well, then why didn't you give me a 10? So often high scores will have a a, a comment that tells you what's wrong with it. So could, you know, more uphill. And this owner was just, she got the test, you know, this is a second, supposed to be her second level amateur horse. Here I'm a professional competing at fourth level on it, got in the seventies and a nine on extension. She looked at that one comment and was decided to be upset about that. Why are you still getting comments about being not uphill enough? Why is she not uphill enough? Like, hello, (laughs) you know, so in, in this case, you know, her horse, quote, pee off in the woods, did this beautiful extension. Someone did judge it. They judged it to be pretty darn beautiful. Nine out of 10. And still this person wasn't happy. So I think, you know, students, students can get stuck not by blissfully riding around unaware of how horrible they are. I don't think that's the problem. I think the problem is students are riding around feeling beauty, having opportunities for beauty, and they're missing it because they think they're not good enough, because they're trying to figure out if somebody else outside the woods, outside the forest, to see what they think about it. So can we really base our definition of something beautiful happening between ourselves and our horse on some special person. The tree falling doesn't make a sound unless there's a human there to hear it. We're not having beautiful moments on our horse unless there's a judge there or a magic trainer, a special guru. You know, I've competed in one classes with good scores but knowing it was not a beautiful harmony between me and my horse. And I've gotten low scores on very plain horses who had transformed themselves and they were trying their little hearts out. And I knew no matter how hard they tried, they would never score above a certain point or never win over even average horses. So the feeling of beauty was between me and the horse. When the tree falls in the forest, it doesn't care who's outside the forest judging what may or may not have happened inside the forest. It doesn't care if there's some special person (laughs) inside the forest or not inside the forest. When you ride, the real beauty is there inside the relationship of you and your horse. 
and everyone can feel beauty and harmony much more easily than they can feel correct. It doesn't have to be a pee-off or one tempies. It can be a free walk or a trot transition or your horse coming to you at liberty or standing calmly. If you focus on what someone outside might score what you're doing, it's the same as standing in the forest, seeing a tree fall, hearing the tree fall, and then calling someone in the city to ask them if the tree made a sound. Hey everyone, a quick message to let you know about a really exciting limited time opportunity for learning at no extra cost. So now you've heard me rave about the video classroom. It's my video training library, and it's where you go to see this podcast in action with videos on pretty much everything that I teach. But for May, June, and July, we are going to be doing extra monthly live Q&A calls, and anyone who's in the classroom gets to attend at no extra cost. We've never offered this before, so it's a pretty cool opportunity. So this is such a great time to be able to speak with a real person, to get your questions answered, either about a particular video that you watched or a challenge that you're having with your horse. Now the video classroom, I think, is always the best deal. And for May, June, and July, it is going to be amazing. So go to dressagenaturally.net slash classroom and start your subscription today. There's always a one week free trial to check it out. Again, dressagenaturally.net slash classroom. Okay, now back to the pod. If you're riding your horse and you feel something, instead of thinking, is this right? (laughs) First, pay attention to what you're actually feeling. Can you enjoy it? What's the energy from the horse? How is the horse feeling about it? And if you do decide to call outside the forest for someone to tell you what it is you're feeling or what you should be feeling, who are you going to call? I mean, different people are going to give you different judgments. One will say, no, never do that. Another will say, oh, you must do that. I mean, we know this. Anyone who's had more than one judge or instructor or who's scrolled through Facebook knows you can get the full range of opinions from one situation. Because you know what? Really, there are no rules. It's all made up. Now, of course, you might have a trusted instructor, but unless they're right there with you in that forest, in that exact moment, you still need to trust your experience. And really, your horse will be looking only for you and your response in that exact moment, not delayed until confirmation from the outside. You missed it. You know, that space that you and your horse occupy is is a complex, deep, lush place full of a variety of choices and sensations and movements and feelings. It's a place to explore. It's a forest you can get lost in. I mean, I recommend getting lost in it. So can you dive deeply into the space of you and your horse and lose time? Enter the timelessness of the infinite present moment and feel fully, knowing that really everything is beautiful and you are enough. Now, 
I'm not saying you can't get help from other people. Of course you can. The challenge of learning is to stay fully in the moment and be able to still hear and interpret and try to do what's being asked of you. To be able to hear the whispers from outside the forest without you actually leaving the forest. And that's why I teach the way I do without so much domination and micromanagement. I want to talk with the students, give them concepts, and then let them play and give feedback and give them the time to drop in with their horses and then check in with me. So yeah, if a horse pee-offs or walks or trots or comes to you at liberty or stands calmly in the forest and there's no one there to judge you, yeah, it's still beautiful. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.